It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year, January 1, 2022. We are live and in person this morning, Mr. Tate. Father Time is with us. How you doing, Coach? Live, are we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're in person. <laughs> they stood us up in the studio, and we've got a two-hour show for you here. 2022, huh? Yep. Who, who thought we'd make it this far, Steve? Not me. <laughs> uh, we do have the phone lines open, though, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, there's some things to talk about, so we thought we'd go ahead and uh, do a program today. We'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts on... The college football bowl games, the uh, playoff games of uh, yesterday and last night. Well, Steve, we have about uh, 10 or 12, 15 minutes before we talk to Altenberger. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where I was hoping to get somebody from the basketball program to explain the status. But they are staying kind of behind the—, the, uh, the this is like the Wizard of Oz. They're behind the, the <laughs> There's somebody behind there, but we don't know who it is. And uh, we don't know who's going to play. We don't know, who, you know what's going on as far as the basketball is concerned, other than they've moved the game from Sunday to Tuesday. We do know that. Tuesday at 6 o'clock in Minneapolis. And, and we're try- I'm trying to figure out how much real practice can they get in because they found out about this uh, virus uh, last week, Monday, basically. They, when they reported Monday, they had a whole bunch of uh, positives, probably nine or ten, I'm told. And uh, that just stopped everything. And, of course, they canceled the Wednesday game against uh, Florida A&M. And uh, now the, it looks to me like they could probably come back about now. To practice, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. For practice, Maybe get a couple of days in, have to travel on Monday, uh, although you can get a practice in on the same day you travel. Sure. Here or there. Mm-hmm. Or both. Yeah, or you both. Could. Right. And uh, then they play at 6 o'clock on, on Tuesday. What, what do you expect, Steve, in terms of their conditioning and substitution patterns, all this with the, a team that maybe missed, uh, some of these players have missed eight or nine days, I mean, at least a week in isolation. Yep. It's hard to say what to expect because we don't, really know how sick anybody was but we do know they didn't practice yeah i don't think i don't think there was much real sickness i don't think we may find out different but what we're seeing is just a lot of positive tests and people particularly of this age when you're 20 years old 21 22 23 years old you're you're pretty strong yeah and and they're in great condition to begin with but what's their conditioning after they miss a week i don't think they're going to fall out of uh of game condition totally in, in that Not period totally. of time. But uh, it'll take them a little while to get their legs back. And, uh, you know, that depth might come in handy uh, at, least, oh, yes. uh, at least early on going yeah. in. Yeah. Ohio State's getting set to play. They haven't played since December 11th. Isn't that something? So they, we'll see how it goes with them. We've yeah. got a couple of calls lined oh, up here okay. this morning. Let's uh, get started with that and remind folks, feel free to give us a call all through the show this morning. Alan in Montrose, you're up first. Go ahead. Couple questions there, guys. One football related, one uh, basketball. Um, football. Uh, are we still going to go after another quarterback in the portal? I don't uh, think so. Think? What do you think, yeah, Steve? Think. 
I don't think they will. I don't think so either, uh, unless you know somebody falls in their lap. But uh, I don't know for a fact. But I think they're they feel like they're good there. You've got three transfer quarterbacks already in the program. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so and I know that uh, you know uh, they, they intend to go with Devito. I, I'm sure of that, and he'll be here for spring, and uh, that'll be and so will uh, the young man from uh, West as. Uh, Michigan. Uh, Johnson. Yeah. What's, which school was it? Western Michigan? Northern. Northern? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'd forgotten. But uh, in any case, he hasn't played yet, but he's here. But no, I don't I don't think they will. Uh, they, they've got a freshman coming in too, Leary. So uh, I think that'll probably be it in, as far as quarterbacks. They're, they're, uh, their needs are much greater at other positions right now. They need an offensive lineman. They need a defensive lineman. You know, they need a defensive back right now. Well, we need a quarterback. Well, we got one. We got the starter from Syracuse. Yeah, did we really? We thought we had one when we had Ben and Peters a few years ago. That didn't turn out really all that well. well that's Alan, not fair. You, you, we've turned the 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 calendar to a new year, and we, we, we want to see some optimism right. out of you, my friend. Okay, all right, we got it. <laughs> what was your other question? <laughs> basketball. Uh, about basketball. How much is that going to damage? Of course, you guys have already mentioned that. We were rolling pretty good, and then now we get a break. How much do you think that's going to take us to get back to where we're at? Well, I, I think it is going to take us. I don't think it's a shame to have that kind of momentum to play as well as they did in those recent games, including the, the game they lost to right. Arizona. They played really well. Yeah. They were shooting mm-hmm. the ball really well, had eight consecutive games, I thought, of, of good shooting. And now um, you just don't know. When you go up to that field house in, in Minnesota, Steve, it's a tough place to play for, for visiting teams that one game. It's a, it's a kind of a strange uh, setting. And, um, of course, the baskets are still 10 feet high and the free throw line still 15 feet away. But I, I just think that uh, I, I wonder if they'll be able to carry that over and, and you know, particularly having, having to set out. Now, I'm told – and you know that when I say these things that I don't have it from – this is not Whitman talking, okay? This is me, and I don't have all the information. But I'm told that these guys were in isolation this past week, the players that, that had tested positive, and that they could not practice anywhere, that anybody that threw a ball out to them would be in violation. So they had to stay uh, – you know, they had to stay isolated for, for five to six days. So, the Corbello situation is getting dire by the day, right, as this season goes? I don't know if dire is the right word because we don't know what uh, the information is about Corbello and when he might come back. And uh, I think dire is a little strong. The, the latest word I heard, uh, again, and this is the second time I heard it, is he's getting better. Right. So uh, I heard that the uh, day before yesterday. and I Well, Underwood said it as well. Yeah, oh, Under, Underwood said that previously, and so – uh, we'll hear from Underwood on Monday. They just don't want to say anything until Monday. They went, He's got a game condition. And all I know is going to take him a couple of weeks to get ready to go. Yeah, we, at least a week or 10 days at least, yes. At least. And all we right. don't know what he's doing right now. We just don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he's uh, getting into heavy practices yet and conditioning, but who knows? I mean, maybe it's maybe they'll work him uh, gradually into that. Happy New Year to Mr. Positive. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alan. We appreciate your call, as always. Yep. Bye. Bye. Let's go to Eric in Champaign. Good morning, Eric. Hey, Happy New Year, guys. Um, I just want a couple, a couple of thoughts. Um, 
you know, the, the bowl system that they've created now, it basically destroyed <laughs> the whole thing is, it, it's hard to even describe, um, the, you know, way of games got canceled with, you know, minutes to go or not, you know, a couple hours ago, example, the NC state and, uh, UCLA game, they didn't even know they were not going to play until, uh, uh, NC State didn't know they weren't going to play until someone came in and told them. I think they were all ready to go or whatever. Yeah. Um, that that situation with with the way they're handling COVID or how some teams are handling it is just ridiculous. I, I don't even know any other way to put it. Like, well, for how, example, like, what, what no, can they do when it, when it turns up? You, you can only react react when when it happens. Well, right. Well, you're, so you're going to tell me that nobody on Michigan or Cincinnati or Alabama or Georgia has COVID, but all the other teams are just they're loaded with it. It's just not that random. It's it's how it's how they're testing is is the thing, or how they're not testing, for example, is is actually the more of the way to put it. Um, you know, like for Illinois, for example, so they they put the rule in. You know, my wife works there, that everybody has to test negative twice before January 18th. That's the only reason the team got caught. If they weren't testing, there wasn't going to be any problem. You know, that's that's the the irony, I guess, of the, of the whole thing is that uh, they put that in place, and so boom, automatically we're testing. It's like you know they weren't testing anybody throughout the football season, so you didn't lose a single game or player to it because they were vaccinated and they weren't supposed to be tested, or they weren't required to be tested then. So that's the the silly part of it all. So, I, but it just leads me to think that okay, so we're we're doing this now, but you know we can't keep doing this in the future. You got have to, you know, come up with an idea or, or, or a, a policy and stick with it, sort of. You know, um, not just make it up as they go, sort of thing. I guess because. Um, well, I yeah, I, I I can't speak to how many teams are testing and how many aren't. I do know that seven teams have withdrawn from bowls. And uh, it affected uh, a number of bowls, obviously. But uh, some uh, some of those were were saved by teams switching to, mm-hmm. to other bowls, <laughs> and so uh, yeah. you know, so the Sun Bowl was saved, and you know, without the the two teams that were originally going to play there. But um, I, I I can't I I think the Big Ten has got pretty much the same rules for everybody. I think I think that they're they're demanding testing uh, all the way down the line. I think Michigan was tested, but I may be wrong. I mean, I'm talking I, about the Michigan honestly, football team. Yeah, I I think it's more school by school. I don't think there is any kind of overall policy. In fact, I'm almost positive there isn't. <laughs> so it's really really unclear and and shaky. And however they're doing it, like I'm saying, it's 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 silly. We're gonna, you know, the NFL saw that too, and then, oh, all of a sudden, you know, Carson Wentz couldn't play earlier this week, you know, and but now he can play because they cut it from ten to five days. Yeah, you know, so. It's just they're they're kind of making it up as they go, and it's kind of it's kind of as a as a fan, I guess you're looking at it. It's difficult to figure out what the heck's going on. It's just a really unfair, unlevel playing field. You well, know, it like, wasn't uh, unlevel in the Big Ten earlier. I mean, I, I can't speak mm-hmm. to coming back from vacation here. I don't know that, but I know that originally we were all on the same rules. Remember, the Big Ten made a, uh, an announcement on that, and everybody got tested the same. And that's why the Big Ten a year ago didn't want to play anybody outside the conference. If you remember, they transfer they they decided to play strictly conference games because they were testing in the Big Ten, and the other and some of the teams outside the Big Ten were not. I know a year ago that everything was. Uh, on a, on a level playing field in the Big Ten, I don't know what the situation is coming back from Christmas. I just simply don't know. I haven't heard anything. Right. 
anyway, I just wanted to share a little bit, guys. So happy new year and keep going with the good shows. Okay, yep. Eric, thank you very much. Lord, I got a question. I don't know that, um, that I, I don't know the answer to it, but with the university policy at Illinois, that the students have to to be tested what is it, twice if they're t- going back on campus. Okay, yeah. correct. To start classes, mm-hmm. could did <laughs> the basketball team have to test those guys now? I don't know. Were, were they taking class? Were they going? I think they're they, on break, but they're here. Mm-hmm. So what's the fine line there? Could they have said, well, we're going to test them anyway coming up before January 18th when classes start? Could they have not tested them and just? I don't think so. I think we got a rule of, of testing. I think right. they, ought to, they knew when everybody went but off. Was, everybody was vaccinated, right? So, yeah. And, and some of them boosted. Yeah. I'm not saying to, to be deceptive or anything. I just wondered if they would have. Did they have to test them when they had somebody showing symptoms? I, simply, I think they simply had to test them because that's the rule that the, comp, right. okay. that the basketball team was going by. Right. I don't know that has – I'm not talking about the other students. Yes. But I know the, that they – we knew coming back from vacation that we had a risk because once oh, yes. guys get away – and yeah. in fact, that's true across the country. Everybody said, oh, my gosh, you know, people go on all these holidays and, and get around a lot of people when they come back. They're going to be tested. And you would have had the same thing if they would have uh, tried to get and put Illinois in a bowl game with getting those guys back that quickly. And Oh, wow. You would have had <laughs> that Ru- may not have been able how, to be done. How did Ruskers do? <laughs> did you hear the troubles they had getting a plane? They even, they even sat on the tarmac for over two hours. They had so much trouble traveling to get to the bowl game. Right. I mean, they got the bowl game that Illinois wanted. It was at the Gator. Yes, and, uh, 38 to 10. Yeah, 38 to 10. <laughs> it is 9.15. We'll take a break. We'll keep the phone lines open all morning until 11. Doug Altenberger will join us to talk some Illinois basketball. When we come back, this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back after this. It is 9.17. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 11 o'clock, 217-356-9397. And a Happy New Year declaration to Doug Altenberger, who is uh, doing a little vacation skiing out in Wyoming. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Oh, good, good, good. It was a little tough getting out here, guys, uh, between the uh, weather and the pilots and uh, the... the uh, the, the, the new virus, the COVID virus. Uh, so it was like a little bit of planes, trains, and automobiles. But it took us – my kids got out here a couple of days late, but we got here a little bit later. So, But the snow's good, and there's a lot of powder. And uh, But uh, I sort of take it easy with these bad knees. I don't want to <laughs> – I was going to ask you about that. Like, Come on, Dad, you can do it. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so, guys. You, uh, you don't have anything to prove anymore, do you? No, no, especially when the right knee when it has no cartilage in it. Yeah, so. <laughs> Do a little cross-country skiing. I'll never forget. I probably said to the Lord, I said, if you ever get me to the bottom of this ski, I'll never go back up again, I promise. I got down to the bottom and went right back up. <laughs> that's, that's how stupid I am. <laughs> Doug, I think oh, when yeah. we uh, we talked a couple of days ago, or maybe at the last basketball game, uh, you told me about this trip, but at that point they hadn't had any snow, had they? No, no, they... they uh just to put it in uh, sort of summarize is that they uh, about a week ago when I called out here because we were going to maybe do cross country skiing or snowmobiling and they're like hey there's no snow out here 
so they got four feet of snow since Christmas. Man, and every day it's snowing here, and uh, oh yeah, this this place is getting smoked. So it's it's good for the ski business. Everybody's having fun, and uh, the hills are all the all the trails are wide open. So you know, it's skiing uh, with your family's great. You know, everybody's doing it. Everybody's into it. At night, you make a little dinner, and everybody just collapses. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, Doug, I want to ask you about the basketball team. And, you you know, uh, when you've laid off, uh, you've been home for vacation, then you come back, and, and the virus hits, and you haven't been able to practice for a week, and maybe you get a couple of days before the Tuesday game with uh, – with Minnesota, what what do you how, what kind of shape are they in? What does this mean to uh, Underwood in terms of his substitution pattern? Well, you know, I, I just I remember the old days where we had a couple weeks after Christmas, and then we wouldn't play for a while. We didn't really play any games then, so um, you know, we did a lot of practicing back then. Coach Hanson would say, you know, we had no limits on time amount, amount of time we practiced, so we practiced almost twice a day. I don't know if the kids can get all those reps in. We, it was sort of an important two weeks to get us focused for the Big Ten. You know, I think one of the problems, and I don't know if they, um, I should know this, but, you know, how much limited time they can practice uh, when school's out. I don't know that rule. But it, it it's good. I mean, it's it's important because especially this team, they've had so many different things thrown at them. So, but nothing, you know, it's always good to get a game in there, you know, Brad's teams seem to do play uh, better when they're in a routine. They've got games playing. When they've got to sit out a long time, uh, not that they play poorly, it's just, you know, they like to go to work. I mean, that's just the way he likes it. So we don't get those reps in or get a little game time um, under their belt. But Minnesota, you know, this, it's changed a lot. It doesn't hold 18,000 when I played. But it's still a tough place to go on the road. Um, you know, we got older guys, but – you know, it's not really a game where you want to come up there and play, um, you know, especially um, if you had a long layoff. I remember my my freshman year, we got beat by 25 up there. Uh, we just weren't ready to play. So it's, uh, you know, it's still a tough venue because it's, you know, the way the, the whole thing's set up, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just not the typical place where you play anymore did you ever fall off of of, off that (laughs) that, no no actually court's pretty big that's a good question i've never fallen off on there even when i dove a few times and you know the last question you asked was the substitution patterns i think the one thing that they figured out is you know they're going to be able to play certain guys uh rotation wise and there's just going to be some games where especially some of the younger guys you know if it's not a good matchup he might get him in there a little bit, but he's not going to play them too much uh, unless it's a good fit for him. And and I, I sort of get that because some of the guys, the freshman guys, are talented. Um, but you know, from a consistent perspective, you know, from defense and that stuff like that, you know, you can't allow to get in there. So I think from that perspective, he's, you know, I think a guy who helped them a lot and hasn't played maybe as well or hasn't got enough reps in. Is pain. I think he could play really well in the Big Ten. He'll be a big matchup because we are typically teams are bigger, they're stronger in the Big Ten, and so he's going to need to step up and start playing some more minutes. Give Kofi a little relief. I think if anything, Kofi's played probably a little bit too many minutes, uh, but that's a compliment because what a force he is in there and what he does defensively for them. So you know, I think he's going to have to start playing uh, uh, pain a little bit more, but. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, the one thing they've got going for them, if they're shooting the ball, um, the way they're playing, and their defense, perimeter defense continues to prove, 
and gets better. You know, they remind me a little bit of that Purdue, Purdue team a couple of years back where they had a couple of some bigs um, and, you know, they shot the lights out of the ball and they had, uh, was it, I think it was Villanova. They had Villanova beat in the Elite Eight. I mean, if you can shoot the ball and they don't turn it over and they clean that up, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're a perfect team for make a long run in the NCAA tournament because that's what it comes down to, you know, guard play, shooting the three. And the Big Ten's not that strong this year, I don't think, Warren. What do you think? Well, it's not as strong as it was last year, pretty clearly. I mean, yeah. beyond Purdue, I don't know who the second-best team is. I, and what's Michigan? Seven and five now. Yeah. They they just didn't look very good the other day. No. I saw some of that, and, and uh, I, I'm not sure what has happened to them other than I do think that their guard play – has fallen off dramatically, and they don't seem to be getting the ball to Dickinson in good spots for him to score, and therefore uh, they they've slipped. But now we got Michigan State coming up, and we got to see how good they are. And I still don't know how good Wisconsin is, and yet they're they're ranked pretty high. So, you know, those teams are in the top twenty-five, but we don't have those. Uh, we don't have the teams that we. And, uh, and the other guy, the other team, I don't know about yet for sure is Ohio State. They they yeah, they yeah. played so little lately that what'd you say, Steve? They had hadn't had a game for seventeen days. Or? December eleventh. Ooh, yeah, that's longer than that, isn't it? Well, and they're scheduled to play I, tomorrow. I, you know, here, here's here's the other thing is, you know, I mean, I I've got friends, I've got family. I mean, we from Thanksgiving until Christmas. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people have gotten COVID. So this thing is supposedly going to rip through, and it's just going to go where it goes. I don't think you can stop it. But the point is, is that I think by come, you know, end of January or whatever, I think at that point, you know, it seems like this thing will supposedly, you know, what you read, it will call, will start to level out. And uh, so I think it's, you know, I think the point is, is Brad's teams always play really well once they get into, you know, like even last year, they've had a little bump in January. They lost to Maryland and look at who else at home. I think it was maybe Ohio State. And then they just played lights out from then on. So, you know, once that clicks, you know, which it will, um, once they get healthy, I guess is a big part of it. And talking to Brad after the games and before, you know, his problem is he just hasn't had anybody able to have get a lot of reps and get everybody healthy and get yeah. everybody ready to go. And so, and that's important for him. So I think, you know, it might be another couple of weeks if we're all, these guys are getting sick or whatever and they got to sit out, you know, it's going to take some time. It's just going to, you know, you see it in the NFL and the NBA. Um, I, I follow the bowls, and you know they, they had a few few weeks or ten days you couldn't play any games, and they had to pull guys up out of you know who've been retired. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Well, few I weeks think Brad, I, I think that Underwood thinks that uh, if they can get through this right now, they got games Tuesday and Thursday, that they they will have this COVID in to a certain extent extent behind them. I mean, unless you could get it again, but I think he feels right. like the next two months could be pretty positive from that standpoint if you can just get by these games before when the team is really not in perfect shape for the games get through these games and then you you go forward and you should get better as you go along yeah that's the one thing when you get when you get sick um you know you can gut it out for one game it's when you play the next game where let's say we've had some time off as a player you know you can get through it then you come back that second game if it's a quick turnaround it's like you've got no legs it's like you're just dying out there. And, you know, you could sort of gut it out defensively. You could sort of, because if you're smart like Frazier and some of the other guys like uh, DeMonte, they could sort of 
you know, but it's the offensive end where you're just like, you got to have that burst. You got to have, use your legs at that jumper. And that's when it really affects you. So you sort of got to, when you're not feeling well, you got to gut it out. And I think, you know, um, that's where that bench comes back into play. And I, you know, it, the, the good thing for them is they started off, they won a big game on the road at Iowa. Yeah, that was a big road game. You know, they beat up Rutgers. They're playing better. They, they you know, beat the tar out of Missouri. Uh, you know, Missouri's down. I mean, they're they're starting to now, you know, figure it out and starting to to um, you know adjust a little bit without um, you know Curbelo. And uh, you know, I think I think you know they probably did the whole season, you know, the preseason working with Curbelo at point, and obviously, and then all of a sudden your point guard. Uh, gets hurt, you know. It's a that's a big adjustment to make. Um, even though Trent and Demonte have done a nice job, you're not running the offense that he wants to run at times. You know, he, he's limited in what he can do offensively, and that I know that frustrates him because I've talked I've talked to him a couple after a couple games. He's like, you know, we're running stuff, but we're not really running it the way we should or we want. You know, with a little bit more speed and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, so far I think. They figured it out, so I, you know, I feel like they can make a nice. If they're staying healthy here, like you said, Lauren, they can make a nice little run and come out of January. And I think, you know, in first or second place. And I don't want to be playing Brad's teams in February, March. I can right. tell you that right now. Another minute or so with Doug Altenberger um, here on the Line Eye Saturday Sports Talk. Back in a previous life for both uh, Doug and myself, we worked together on television doing. Um, Illinois basketball games, and I don't know if you remember this specifically, Doug, but the first time we did a game at Williams Arena, uh, we were at courtside there, and uh, you were kind of young in your broadcasting career, and at the the time, uh, the television cameras were on the opposite side of the the arena from where the uh, play-by-play guy and color analyst sat, so I said, when you see a replay on your monitor, it's going to be going the opposite way. (laughs) <laughs> then, then what you're looking at right out there. And yeah. It was a little disconcerting at times, <laughs> but I had to give him the heads up on that. He goes, oh, no, we got, we, we've got that. We've got the, the stage. We've got all kinds of elements going on in this moment. <laughs> oh, I, I, I remember doing the, uh, the first game ever on television and with you, and, um, you know, we, had, uh, we saw on stools, and we were out, and, uh, you know, it was 18,000 people. People were going crazy. And it was, and we, and I was so nervous to do that open. And um, you'd say, Doug, just relax, be yourself. And I said, I know. And that red light would come on the camera for about, you know, five or six. You know, it took me about, I don't know, five or six games to get comfortable. That big red light on there. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, we got through it. And then uh, the uh, uh, the the producer, not producer, the stage guy says, Doug, you need to get up. And the game was starting. They were going to throw the ball up, tip it off. I'm still sitting on the stool. I couldn't get off because my legs were so, so. I was so nervous. I was so like my stomach was turning. I'm like, I need a minute here. Give me a diet coke or something. <laughs> so finally, I, I, I crawled off the floor. But you know, that's the that's what I tell my kids. You know, and look, coach used to say it all the time. Sometimes you got to do some things that might make you a little uncomfortable, but you learn from it and uh, you get better. And uh, you were always very good to me that first year as I struggled. Well, they had it to put fun. we had a lot of fun. They had to put us on stools so I'd be as tall as tall as you. I could doing a stand up wouldn't have worked with us. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a lot of fun that that year. It was uh, and uh, it was fun to do the games, you know, with your coach and all that. So uh, it was uh, you know it was a long time ago too. So I've been 
I haven't been as long as Lauren or you, but I've been around and watched and seen a lot of things. And it's just great to see our program where it's at. Brad's done a great job and he's had a lot of changes with the staff. And I don't think we really talk about that. You know, in the old days, these guys used to work together for, you know, like Dick Maggie right. and, you know, all the guys. And so, you know, for years. So, you know, you had continuity. So in all defense of all of everything, he's had a lot of changes to him at him. And, you know, he's, he's, that's the thing about Brad. I give him a lot of credit. He's, uh, he really adapts. He's flexible in a sense on some things. Some things he's not. But, uh, you know, to come out on the other end here and have everybody back and Kofi and where we're at, we're gonna, I just have a really good feeling about, you know, the rest of the season. Appreciate your time. Uh, don't let us see any headlines from Wyoming. <laughs> For, former Illini stand out, shaken up. Don't do any Sonny Bono run into a tree. Yeah, don't. No, no, I stay on the blue, the blue, uh, no, I don't know the blacks. Is that like playing the senior tees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly, Steve. That's exactly. I'm on the senior tees. Uh, All right. See you, man. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, you yeah. too. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate right. it. Go Illini. Yep. Right. 9.32 is the time. We'll take a break on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk and be back with more after this. Stay with us. It is 9.34. This is Illini Public Saturday Sports Talk on January 1, 2022. Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate with you until 11. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Thanks to Doug Altenberger for spending some time with us talking some Illinois basketball. Going to bring in uh, from Indianapolis, Jeff Rabjohns from Peaks.com, part of the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. Happy New Year, Jeff. How are you doing? Happy New Year, guys. I'm terrific. Watching a lot of football. I'm sure you are. And uh, what did you think of those uh, college football playoff games? Very similar games and uh, blowouts uh, yesterday afternoon and last night. Yeah, they were kind of similar. And it actually had me kind of, in a way, missing the old bowl system. And I know the old bowl system wasn't great at actually picking a national champion all the time. But I'm sure you guys remember this well. There were times you would go into January 1, and there would be so many games, so many good games, and there would be so many scenarios where, well, if this team wins and these three teams loses, maybe that team wins ends up number one, or if that team loses, but these three, you know, there were so many scenarios. I don't know. It just seemed like last night the games were just kind of, you know. Over at halftime. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and it was kind of boring and you know, sometimes January 1 was really exciting because there were so many if-then scenarios as far as who was going to end up wearing the final poll. Well, I just wonder, um, did Cincinnati, in your view, justify being in the final four? Because that's going to be a lot of the talk from here on out. No. Oh, really? I, I didn't no. think – I thought you'd say – I thought you'd say yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I did so many things had to break well um, for it for them first of all to be undefeated, mm-hmm. and second of all for other teams um, to make mistakes that open the door for, for a twelve and zero uh, team like Cincinnati to be in there. But I think strength of schedule should matter. Mm-hmm. And when you look at some strength of schedules, you know Cincinnati's strength of schedule was just not that good. And some people will say, well, it's not their fault; it's their conference. Okay. You know, that that might be fair. It really might be. But, you know, strength of schedule is strength of schedule. And I think strength of schedule should matter. And I think Cincinnati showing illustrates, it doesn't prove anything. It's one team, one game, one year. 
Mm-hmm. But it does illustrate that teams that don't play top schedules sometimes uh, they be, they look they get overvalued based on record. It also uh, there's an indication based on how the bowl games go that there's only two teams in the SEC. <laughs> the rest of them aren't very you know haven't done very well, but they have been so dominant. It's just like a a two team league, isn't it? It, it, it is it at least is. this and, year. And the SEC, yeah, it definitely is. You know, and and the SEC. You know, they get more teams in more good bowl games because they kind of can't game the system a little bit. You know, they only the SEC only plays eight conference games, mm-hmm. and they allow their teams to play easier non-conference opponents. Yep. And you get four non-conference opponents. Where in the Big Ten, you have to play nine conference games, and one of your non-conference games has to be, you know, against a, uh, um, you know, a Power Five or Group of Five type uh you know, a major conference opponent. So you end up playing 10 major conference games. And where the SEC, you know, they had only eight conference games, four non-conference opponents, and usually three of the non-conference opponents are, are pretty weak, but they end up with, with a whole lot of teams that have higher win totals. So on paper, it looks like you're good, so they get more teams in the better games. And, um, you know, but this year, the clearly, and I don't think there's any question, Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in college football this year. Well, where do you stand now on the uh, possible expansion to 12 teams or however many teams? Uh, does that bring uh, that many more teams in that have no chance to beat Alabama or Georgia? You know, I, it, it would, but I, I'm fine with expanding the playoffs because for some teams, getting to the playoffs would be an achievement. Maybe winning one playoff game would be an achievement. Right. That, that could be a big year. It's like with the NCAA tournament. You know, some of the small schools – to get there, if they win one NC tournament game, it's a great season. Moments, it'd be a moment to be celebrated in school history forever. Um, you know, you have Georgia State and Ron Hunter falling off the chair when his son hits the shot. Great moment for Georgia State. So I, I'm fine with expanding the playoffs because I don't think just because you make the playoffs doesn't mean everybody has a chance to win the big trophy. But making the playoffs can be an achievement for some schools. Um, so I'm totally fine with expanding the playoffs. Jeff, you know what I like about it? If you let the first, if you have a first round series of games between the the eight teams below the top four, you'd have four games mm-hmm. on on campuses, I guess, on campuses, and which uh, th- th- these games would really matter. They'd be they'd be like these bowl games that we're seeing that are good bowl games, but they don't really matter in the in the final analysis. But those four games would be terrific. Then you'd have those four winners going against the four favored teams in in the playoffs. Right, right. No, I, I think campus games would be fun. Here's another thing that could be kind of fun, okay? If you have a year where you've got some good Big Ten teams, um, I don't know, especially some of the folks up north, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, what happens if one of those mouthy SEC teams has to put on its hat, has to put on its mitten, has to come <laughs> up north and play in a little weather, huh? You know? I mean, they they yap all the time about their bowl record, the bowl record. It's like, well, yeah, Florida teams play in Florida. Georgia yep. teams Home play games. in Georgia. Yeah. What happens if what happens if those Southern guys got to come up here and play in a little weather? I don't know what would happen, but it would be interesting. It yep. would be interesting to see. And I, I think bowl games on college campuses, I think would be terrific. I think college. I like the bowls. I like football. I'm all for all the bowls. Um, but I think college football games on campus 
is one of the most enjoyable collegiate sporting feels atmospheres that we have. And if you're going to give me some of that in, in you know, late December, early January, what, what have you, I'm going to say I'm all for it. I'm going to throw you a, a little curveball here. Uh, is there a better coach in America for average players like Jeff Brom at Purdue? Is there a better offensive coach? Let's put it that way. Uh, better offensive coach. Boy, I think. Boy, uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's pretty good offensively. Um, for average players, that's interesting. Well, I mean, it, he, he doesn't have the best recruiting year after year. We know that. No. But my goodness. No, and he, and he had he had uh, um, well, you know, he, he had he had several studs. David Bell, and those guys sit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carlisle you know. set out too, and uh, and yet they beat uh, Tennessee forty-eight to forty-five. Now that game was controversial. It was an overtime game, and Tennessee uh, ball carrier reached the ball over the into the end zone, but the officials said that the play was that his forward progress had ended before he reached the ball over. So, what'd you think? Was that a bad call? Good call? I thought it was a good call. I thought I thought the actual forward progress had been stopped. And then, and as soon as you say, okay, forward progress is stopped, the play's over. Mm-hmm. And the whistle had blown. At least the replay that I saw showed the whistle blew. You can see the officials, his hands are in the air. You know, they're, they're, they're waving the play dead. And so I thought it was a fair call. I understand if you're on the other side of it, you're going to be mad about it. That's normal. But, but I, I did think it was. I didn't think it was a fair call. I'll put it that way. On the other hand, there was another Tennessee guy that had had the runner by the shoulder pads dragging him into the end zone as well. So I, I don't know how legal that part of the play was either. <laughs> it's gotten legal right, for sure. for big old linemen to get in to behind push, a ball, yeah. To, yeah, to get in behind a ball carrier and just push him on. We're seeing a lot of that lately, and that didn't you used to couldn't do that. <laughs> sure, sure. Jeff, let's talk some sure. uh, Big Ten. The only guy. The only guy that comes to mind, uh, I was actually trying to think here when we were talking, Jeff, Jeff Trailer from uh, Texas San Antonio. Um, I, I think he's a rising star in college football. Um, you're talking about guys who are right. really good coaches of average players. He's a guy, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, they're at Texas San Antonio, you know, he's not getting the five stars, he's not getting the studs. Um, and they're a very entertaining team. They win. Um, he tries to play as good of a schedule as you, as you can. Um, so I, he's another guy that I probably would throw in that category. That's well, really good I, I was really affected by Brahms' performance against Michigan State this year, mm-hmm. and I will tell you that Illinois played Michigan Purdue, and they didn't score a touchdown in the game until the final moments. They won the game with right. it, with one single touchdown, and then of course Illinois had time to come back uh, and got down to the 19-yard line, and that's when uh, that one petered out. Yeah, they also played that game without David Bell. Is that fair to Bell. say that with Peter's quarterback that it petered out? Yes, okay. it is. All right. David Bell did not play in that game <laughs> as well. Yeah. That was a 13-9 game. We like to play them without Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Most teams would. Let's talk some uh, Big Ten basketball with uh, Jeff Rapp Johns here for a few minutes. What have you seen so far? Uh, is the Big Ten as a conference a little down in hoops? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I... I I don't think there's as much star power as we've seen the last couple of years. Um, the good teams are just not as not, not as much uh, star power. Um, you know, I ran into a Tom Izzo the other night. He was over here in India recruiting, and we sat down and, and we were talking. And uh, you know, he was he was mentioning that you know 
so many teams have either new players or young guys that you could see a lot of improvement as as Big Ten play gets going. You know, you have a lot of the young guys, new guys who are playing okay, but you know, got to you know, got to have a real chance to improve. So I think we've got about three, maybe four teams at the top. You know, with uh, you know, Purdue is, is clearly the best team, in, in my opinion. I think there's a gap there between Purdue and everybody else because it's not just the size. Um, they're doing so many different things with Travion Williams. They're actually initiating the offense. First pass going to Travion outside the paint this year. You know, his first touch is outside the paint more than it is inside the paint. And they have shooting, you know, with, with all the guys around there led by Jaden Ivey. Um, and then after that, I think, you know, you're looking at probably, you know, Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin. You know, I think those are the four you look at as far as how they're playing right now. Michigan still has talent, you know, but Michigan's, you know, they're sitting there at seven and five. They, I think I would put them behind the top four at this point in time. They can get up there, but they're not there right now. And then I think after that, you got a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for spots five, six, and seven to get in the NCAA tournament. And do you have – you must have Illinois in that uh, group of people then, huh? I do right now. Um, and, and I know I know maybe your listeners may be mad at me for that, but um, just evaluating how you played. Um, you know, Illinois is 9-3. And, um, and obviously I think their, their performance against uh, 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 Missouri, excuse me, yeah. can't talk. <laughs> uh, you know, um, one of the most lopsided – wins in the uh you know in the bragging right history i think that that's that's really good i just you know, i look at the, the arizona game and i think that that raised a lot of questions for me you know i mean i think illinois is clearly an ncaa tournament game and depending upon who all's healthy and how they're playing you know that's certainly a team that can win ncaa tournament games i don't think there's any question about that but i think the the games um arizona and then losing by 20 to cincinnati um you know 71 51 to me, those can, those kind of raise some questions, and I understand Curbelo's out. So, you know, but you kind of have to evaluate the team on the floor when there's you know a guy who's been out for an extended period of time, and there's some uncertainty about how many games he's likely going to play. But if Curbelo comes back, that changes things because you guys and I we we've talked before. You know, I've been a fan of Andre Curbelo since he was just lighting people up at AAU. I, I think he's tremendous, and I think he does a lot to help infuse his teammates with confidence, and he's a really good. Uh, past creator, so it'll, it'll it'll be different, I think, when he's back and healthy. How good is Indiana? Indiana's okay. Um, I don't know how good they are just yet because part of it is they've really only had about four or five games against against quality competition, um, and they had six lower level games. And, and part of the reason they scheduled like that was you got a new coach in Mike Woodson. You have a whole new offense, a whole new defense. Um, and you've got six new scholarship players. So they kind of wanted basically some games that count on paper, but um, should be definite wins to kind of get everything figured out so they don't kill the guys and kill their confidence before Christmas. Um, they can they, they played really good defense. That's probably what they've been the best at. They played really good defense. Trace Jackson Davis is playing the best he's ever played. Um, they unleashed him as a shot blocker. They're not ordering him. Uh, to kind of stick to whoever he's defending for defensive rebounding purposes, which allows him to go up and block shots. You know, he's one of the nation's leading shot blockers in Power Five. Uh, they're getting good shooting from Parker Stewart, Miller Cop, a couple other guys. Um, but I'm curious to see how some of their perimeter guys handle 
the speed and strength and quickness and precision of Big Ten offenses. Um, and they kind of want to see, you know, can they shoot it well enough from three uh, to beat some good teams? I think they're going to w- win enough games to be NCAA tournament contender come the end of the year. But I don't know, you know, can they defend Big Ten level guys on the perimeter and shoot it well enough uh, to get, to get uh, you know, enough wins to, you know, contend for somewhere like top four of the Big Ten? Because right, right now I think that's asking a lot. I know Mike Woodson says, hey, we want to win the Big Ten. I think it's great for a coach to say it. I just don't think they have the roster to do it right now. Jeff, before we let you go, uh, let's swing back over to football in Indiana. And what happened to Indiana this year, and can they bring it back? It looks like recruiting's pretty good, but I don't know how much that helps them for next season. Sure, sure. Yeah, Indiana had a season where everything that could go wrong went wrong. I mean everything. You know, your injury takes out your starting quarterback. Injury takes out your backup quarterback. Injury takes out your All-American cornerback. Uh, they lost the linebacker. They lost the best receiver. Um, and DJ Matthews, um, it was like, it wasn't just a number of injuries they had. And I can't remember what the total man games was, but the total man games lost due to injuries. I think they finished first or second in the country and it was almost all to key players. So that happened. Um, you know, their new, their young offensive coordinator, Nick Sheridan, he really struggled to make in-game adjustments. I think that was, that was a little bit of a problem there. Um, and they another thing was the previous two years when they went to January bowl games, they were among the nation's leader in turnover margin Mm -hmm. this year, this year they were not even top half of college football in takeaways. So they they didn't even come close to the turnover margin. They had the past two years and the past two years, they gave up yards, but they would get turnovers in their own territory. And so you're stealing a possession that the opponent doesn't score. It's like a stop. Um, and Indiana didn't get anywhere nearly that many this year. Um, and then they had some guys who just, just had awful, awful years. I mean, you know, really, really, really bad years. You, you know, um, you know, you're looking at the, the 2020 receiver of the year turns around and leads the conference and drop passes. And you look at it and you're like, how in the world does that happen? I have no idea how it happens guys, but it happened. And that's one of those things that you look at and you're like, that's just crazy. Now, can they, can they fix it? <clears throat> I think they can. I think they can. I think they have enough talent to get back there to where they should, they should be able to win six games. Um, and the other thing was that happened this year, this is a quirk of circumstance, one of their non-conference games was against Cincinnati. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, when you're Indiana and you're trying to get to bowl games, you, know, you, you need to be playing Louisiana State Monroe or something like that. Not, not Cincinnati. But I know because of the Big Ten rules, you have to. So there's nothing that can be done. Um, but I think I think Indiana's got enough talent, and they've got enough guys coming back. All American cornerback Taiwan Mullen announced he's going to return. There's some other uh, quality players who have announced they're going to return. They're obviously going to lose tight end Peyton Hendershot, who is almost certainly going to get drafted. But I think they're I think they'll be okay, and I think quarterback Jack Tuttle um, should be healthy. Mike Penix, obviously, he's transferring out to Washington to be with the offensive coordinator who is at Indiana. At the time, uh, he was recruited by Indiana. So I think a change of scenery is probably best for Penix after, you know, a host of injuries that have just really, you know, keeping him from ever playing a whole season. So I think I think Indiana's got enough talent. They can get back in the bowl conversation next year. I don't know I don't know if they're quite ready to, you know, threaten another 8-9 win season, but I think they got enough they can get back in the bowl conversation next year. Do you see any tweaking 
on the horizon in the Big Ten divisions for football? I don't know, but it's something they need to get serious about. I mean, it, it's reached a point. It's just it, it's ridiculous, guys. I mean, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. You, you look at the Big Ten championship games, you know, it's the Big East. The Big Ten East has won all of them. You look at the recruiting rankings, okay, the recruiting rankings, mm. one through seven, Big Ten East, eight through 14, Big Ten West. You know, yep. it, it's yep. not like the Big, Big Ten East had, like, most of the good recruiting classes. It had all of them. I mean, yep. it was, you just go right down, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know. Um, I think the order was Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland. Yeah, I think Iowa finished strong. Maybe they can argue they belong in there in the bottom of the. But you're right. All the talented players are going to the East. There's no question about it. Yeah. And the Big Ten East has won every uh, Big Ten championship game. And some of them have not been close games. So I I think the Big Ten has to, in my eyes, if the Big Ten wants to remain nationally relevant, uh, you have to adjust the conferences. Um, I mean, the division. You have to adjust the division. And then I think that, that that's job number one um, because the disparity is, is just enormous. You can look at wins on the road, number of January bowl games reached, recruiting rankings year by year, however you want to look at it. The disparity is enormous. So I think that's job one for the conference right now. Fix I, I the think they believe that too. I think, I don't, I think they, they're going to do something, but do you think they'll do something before the end of next season? I don't know. Usually the Big Ten moves awfully slow. Um, so my guess is, my guess would be it does not happen before next season. But the pressure is mounting. And it's really mounting. So I don't know. I think, that, I think that's a good question, Lauren. Will, will it get done before next season? My guess is no. Um, and, and in part because you have so many schedules, so many games that are already scheduled. You know, you've got campuses that have, you know, planned for their football weekends, mm-hmm. um, I believe. Um, sure. So I think that would be – I think it would be tough to sit here in – I mean, they're not going to do it like right now. So it would probably be at the earliest they could get it done, probably would be somewhere around March. So you're talking a few months before games start, you know, adjusting what weekends college campuses have home football games. I think that's asking quite a lot. I think it's likely to happen after that, but I think I think that I think they have to. You have to realign. You 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 because right now you're you're hurting your own conference. You know, I mean, Michigan and Ohio State should be able to play in the Big Ten championship game, and I don't know why the people in the Big Ten ever thought that that would be a bad idea. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you that they don't want consecutive games between them. Oh, I know. I heard that too. <laughs> Um, but I think that's ridiculous because if they played the end of their regular game and, the, and then they're both highly ranked and it's a tight game and it's a close game and it has playoff ramifications and then you get to say, oh, hey, guess what? There's going to be a rematch in a week in Indianapolis. You're telling me people aren't going to watch that? I mean, come yeah, on. It's, no, it's you, great no they would. They'd it watch it. TV with a, with a lead up. I mean, the Ohio State-Michigan game most years is the most watched regular season Big Ten game. So this whole notion that people wouldn't watch two of them, I think, is incredibly misguided, and I think it's almost dumb. Well, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the idea is that they wouldn't watch it. I think the idea is that they just wouldn't want it, two games in a row. I mean, right. but, but right. I don't. I think. I think that's. I think that's silly and almost dumb for the Big Ten 
to not want something that would create national interest, you know? And and I know someone said, well, you know, we, we want to reward the other teams. Reward the other teams? You know, you want the two best teams that year playing in your conference championship. That's what you want. This notion of reward the other teams is, I mean, what is this, Little League? We give the ribbons to everybody? <laughs> hey, Jeff. college football. Great to talk to you. <laughs> we run a couple minutes over here, but it's great to hear from you, and I'll be calling you again. Sounds good, man. You guys have a great holiday season. Have a great New Year. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Jeff. You too. Jeff Rabjohn's our guest from pigs.com, 24-7 sports network over covering uh, the Big Ten and the Indiana Hoosiers. That uh, takes care of our first hour of the show. Back with hour number two, Will Leach will join us coming up after the break here at the top of the hour, and we'll have the phone lines open as well, 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. We have another hour on the show this morning, January 1, 2022, headed towards 11 o'clock. More football on the plate today, plenty of football the previous week and uh, last night with the college football playoff semifinals, Will Leach joins us. Good morning, Will. How are you? Are you home? Or are you uh, you working this weekend or both? No, I'm. Well, I'm always working. Uh, happy <laughs> New Year. But uh, but uh, yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Georgia now. I was uh, I did not travel to Miami, but I will be back uh, not only for the national championship game in Indianapolis, but I'll actually uh, coming back to Mattoon, my hometown, for the weekend, and I'll actually be at that game Thursday night, the Illinois-Maryland game. Assuming that happens, it sounds like it will. Uh, I'll be there as well. So I'm excited. to. It works out pretty well to have the national championship game involving Georgia uh, in the Midwest. That works out pretty well for me. No doubt. Uh, with this being a new year, have you made New Year's resolutions, or are you uh, still looking back at trying to figure out what happened in 2021? I'm still trying to figure out what happened in 2020. So You're right. 2021 is, is is kind of the the, the the transition year. But yeah, you know, I think that uh, I think that you know, like a lot of people, I think that I feel uh, a sense of optimism heading into 2022. I think that, uh, that while certainly 2021 was rough, I think that uh, uh, medical science has put us in a situation where uh, we might be able to get out of this thing in a, in a positive way. So if we can all just uh, keep keep our heads on straight, which may be asking too much, but hopefully we can keep our heads on straight and make it through 20. 22. I've, I've got a book due in four months, so uh, that's my resolution is to get that finished. Other than that, uh, it should be a good year. Uh, Will, uh, let's talk about Georgia and Alabama. Are they really that much better than everybody else in the SEC and everybody else in the world? What, what sets them apart so far? Yeah, you know, it's funny. On a certain level, the way to think of this almost as if it's Alabama has basically been what they've been for basically 10, 12 years now, right? Like there, there've been teams that come up briefly. Clemson had a run, you know, LSU had a year, Ohio state had a year, but generally speaking, Alabama has been the cream of the crop for about a decade now. Well, Georgia, when they fired Mark Richt, one of the most beloved coaches in memory, uh, to bring in Kirby Smart, who was out, who's Nick Saban's top assistant. That was the whole idea. It's like, we want another Alabama. And I think what Georgia has done 
has basically succeeded in making another Alabama. <laughs> and so, uh, and they, they're constructed in similar ways. The staffs cross over. They recruit uh, very similarly and very aggressively. They're they're almost the carbon copy programs. The difference, of course, is that uh, the Alabama has has won national championships and Georgia hasn't. I was trying to think about this when I knew I was going to be in this call of, to relate to an Illini basketball fan, really, uh, best analogy, for what Georgia football has liked trying to beat Alabama and how like, you know, because Georgia has not won a national championship since 1980, which is kind of ridiculous when you think about it, considering how good the program is and how dedicated the fan base is. And I was realizing the best way to describe their problems with Alabama is to think of every single heartbreaking Illinois tournament loss, whether it's mm-hmm. Austin P or, or Michigan in the, in the final four, North Carolina or Loyola last year. Imagine they were all to the same team. <laughs> that, yeah. that is what Georgia essentially has with Alabama. They have had all of these heartbreaking losses, not just during the, during the Kirby smart era, but even uh, in 2012, they famous the year that that was the, the year that Alabama beat uh, Manti Teo and the Notre Dame team. Georgia was one play away from winning that SC championship game against Alabama. They have been, been their tormentors for decades now and so to be in this situation they desperately wanted to be Alabama so it makes sense that they would end up having to defeat Alabama well you kind of, it reminds me of Michigan playing Ohio State that was the same team until this year Ohio State yeah. beat them every year that you know that if Harbaugh's been there and and he was supposed to turn the thing and has he turned it or was this just a you know was this just a one one season uh, flip, maybe of, uh, and, and would, would you see Michigan hang, hanging in there and staying at, at the top? I think so. I still think Ohio State's a. This is a problem. It's like I, I feel like, yeah, Michigan has something sustainable. I think they're, they're building something good. Yeah, but they're probably still not as good as Ohio State, right? <laughs> like that's, that's always the problem. Is Michigan has this year where everything goes exactly right for them, and they beat Ohio State, and it still feels like Ohio State's probably a little bit better uh, next year. That's that's the the curse of being Michigan. This is what people would say would be the curse of being Georgia is always having to having that one team that's a little bit above you. I I, I have to say, you know, I. I Georgia had the bad game against Alabama, but I, you did have to feel pretty comfortable with him going up against Michigan, not because like Michigan's a bad team, but Georgia, is, Georgia and Michigan actually have very similar philosophies. Georgia just has a higher level of talent and a higher mm-hmm. level of recruit, and I think yeah. that's what you saw. And I think that it wasn't that Michigan played poorly or they was a poor, it was a, Michigan somehow schemed poorly. It's just that they play very similar styles, but Georgia is better at it. I think that's what's interesting about the Georgia-Alabama game is, you know, of course, Georgia's style is what Alabama's style was 10 years ago. It's that kind of man ball, run the ball. And Seth Bennett was terrific uh, yesterday, but he's famously had a ton of problems against Alabama in his career. It'll be really interesting to see how they adjust. I think that's what's fun about this game. Not just that they're so much, the, the two teams are so much more talented than everyone else, but they're designed specifically to try to fight each other. <laughs> so to see that on the national stage, it's almost like uh, – it's almost like having like a backyard uh, uh, battle between your, that your brothers play uh, in, in the backyard, a really intense game, except now it's the national championship game and everyone's watching. So it'll, it'll be kind of an interesting, fascinating thing to watch. You know, the interesting thing was going into these last two games, these two semifinal games, the bowls were kind of interesting, I thought. I mean, a lot of good bowl games. Michigan State and Pitt was a good game. I mean, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Purdue and Tennessee went overtime. I mean, there were – there were a lot of, I thought, attractive games, uh, but still uh, <laughs> they don't mean anything. Now, do you see this changing with the, with the 12-team playoff? 
Uh, you know, I don't think so. In fact, Andy Staples from The Athletic wrote a really good piece about this the other day. Because, of course, it's very trendy to watch these bowl games. You're like, who cares about these games? What is Duke's Mayo? What is this thing, anyway? <laughs> like, uh-huh. I, I get it. Like, I understand it's kind of fun to make fun of these bowls. But if you look at the television ratings for these things, they've been incredible. Like, they're out. Like, they, they, there was all this hype about when Steph Curry uh, broke the three-point record at the, uh, during, uh, against the Knicks. And I believe the Army-Missouri Bowl game got better ratings than that game did. I mean, people love these bowl games. It would, uh, if anything, because I've heard because there's bits of cancellations and people like opting out. The idea, like, is this bad for the bowls? Are we going to have fewer bowls? I would argue perhaps even the opposite. You know, this is a we live in an age where live television is valued in a very dramatic way, and and the, the ratings that these bowl games are getting. Well, listen, I've. I would say that like some of these bowl games have been very fun. I know nothing's on the line, but you know what? This is the, the, the this area around Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. This it's like the perfect time to watch a football game that doesn't really matter. <laughs> We're all kind of dialed down a little bit, and I've watched these games. I, I found them very enjoyable. That Purdue Tennessee game in particular was really really fun. So like the, some of these games have been like it, it is casual. I feel like the bowl games that are, are a reminder that sports, for all the talk about stakes and championships, you must win the big one. At their at the purest level, they're just kind of empty calorie entertainment, and I feel like bowl games are the best example of that. And the fact that people keep watching them so obsessively makes me think there will be more of them, not less, in the years. You know, it reminds me of the the concerns about the one and dones that oh well, people won't watch basketball if the guys are going to all turn pro after the freshman year. Well, that hasn't changed a thing. I mean, the Purdue-Tennessee football game, which didn't mean anything. There were opt-outs. Karloftis didn't play Purdue. Bell didn't play for Purdue. They had other players that didn't play. And yet the game drew 59,000, I think, probably pretty good television numbers. I haven't seen those. But 59,000 people attended that game in Nashville, and it didn't mean a thing. (laughs) I I think there's an eagerness for people to get out and see games. I think that's right, and I think, and, and particularly, particularly with television, particularly with what's going on with with uh, with, with the way that, that you know television ratings, live television is just king right now. It's hard to get people to watch live television. It's hard to get people to watch like over over the air television. They're usually streaming or they're watching Netflix. Sports have become ironically more powerful really regardless of the quality of the games, <laughs> if that makes sense, regardless of the quality of the players, people are tuning in. And I think and I, it is weird. It is very strange. You know, we remember, but, you know, I would argue this is partly because we, you know, we remember when bowl games where everything was the biggest deal in the world and, and these games were huge, huge deals. We imagine the stakes for them there's are supposed to be higher, but the fact is, when they do the playoffs, those will get great ratings too. But I just don't see how uh, the, these Duke's, Duke Mayo Bowl or the Tex Man Bowl or whatever they're called, I, I don't see how any of those bowls are not are going to stop existing. People people like casual entertainment over the holidays, and I think it's uh, it's kind of the perfect casual entertainment. I'll tell you another number that rocked me was that uh, in anticipation of. Uh, uh, negotiating the new uh, television contract. The Big Ten is going to be doing that after this season, next year at least. And they anticipate, and based on the uh, numbers that they see, they anticipate that the schools in the Big Ten, two years from now, will be receiving $70 million per year. Each school. It's at 50 now. They expect it to jump by like 20. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there's, there must be an interest in this thing, or the, 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 the networks wouldn't do it, would they, if, if, they, weren't, if they weren't making any money? And, and that means that if they're making money, that the schools are going to make money. And 
can this really happen? Can this? Are we going at that that faster rate? Are we going up that fast? You know, I think so. You know, we've seen it with the coaching salaries, right? Like that's why the yeah. salaries have yeah. out of control because they, they've got to spend them within the program, right? They've got to like put them within. That money's got to go somewhere because it's not going to the players apparently. So they've got they've got it's got to go to somebody. And I think it's really interesting. The best example of this there was that Frisco Bowl this year. I I forget who was in it. It was like maybe North Texas and someone. But basically, what the bowl was was when the regular season ended and they realized, oh, we have two more teams that had six wins than had a bowl. So ESPN just said, nah, let's make a bowl. And they just made a bowl. It was the first time <laughs> all the bowls ever existed otherwise. Let's just make a bowl. And to me, that is your proof right there. The idea, like, the cost, the, the, the logistical difficulty, and the cost of, like, getting two random teams out of nowhere that nobody cares about at all, putting them in a stadium in Frisco, Texas, in the wherever you can put it and getting your crew there and getting your staff there and putting all that game together basically in like a week and a half it was not only worth it for espn to do that that game got incredible ratings i don't even remember who was in it i'm sure people watching it did not know what was going on or who cares who cares like who cares who north texas had to opt out like you're just watching a football game and i think the fact that espn decided that it was worth their while to just like randomly have pull a game out of thin air just for the TV ratings is a sign that uh, that money, and it's a combination of a couple of things, right? Like it's obviously excitement with the sport, but again, so much of this is the, about the economics of television. Like, like I know in the, the, the Purdue game, there's a lot of fans there, but a lot of these games, they don't have full stadiums. They, that's not really why they're playing the games, though. They're playing the games for the television inventory. And as long as uh, – it's not so much that they're watching these bowl games so much more than they did 30 years ago. It's that they're watching so much less of terrestrial television than they used to. They're watching less live through your cable or through your antenna television than we used to. So games like this where people are watching that way become more and more valuable and therefore uh, worth more money to the networks and then obviously the schools. Talking to Will Leach, we do have the telephone lines open, and we have a call for Will from Urbana. Gary, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sort of bothered by, you know, the, the opt-outs. I mean, it seems to me like when a kid accepts a scholarship that if the team is playing – they need to play because they've made a commitment to that, and I don't. I just don't. I just don't like that aspect of it. You know, maybe you shouldn't get your scholarship the next semester because the team's playing, and you've said you'll play for the team for a scholarship, and then you opt out. What do you think? Uh, I'd say a couple of things on that. One, uh, you know, one one group of people that are not held to that standard are coaches. <laughs> There's like a ton of coaches that are that left their team before their bowl game. I mean, for crying out loud, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame when they still had a chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know, at a certain level, I think that uh, uh, we can say, well, and I personally, I think Brian Kelly should be able to do that. I don't like it. I think it's kind of lame, but that is the market, right? That's why we, we all claim right. to like the free market of sports at a certain level. I understand why he'd be able to do that. It doesn't seem therefore that right to me. When, when players are opting out, they're not doing it because they don't like their team anymore. They don't want to win. It's because they're making, in a very similar way to Brian Kelly, a certain kind of decision of, hey, I like the last thing I need is to in this game that like we're all kind of admitting is kind of meaningless, right? It's it's fun. With, uh, alumni get used to make go on trips, but we all kind of understand the best spectrum of things. Whether or not, and like it's not like anybody looks at Tennessee and says, oh, they lost to Purdue. They're in trouble for next year. Like we all know, it's kind of a silly game, and everyone's having fun at a certain level for a player who 
unlike a coach, is actually putting their body and their potential livelihood on the line. You know, the NFL draft combine, these senior bowls are going to be in a week or in like a month. You know, the, the idea of putting yourself in po- potential harm in that way, I think is asking for trouble. Oh, also, hey, did also, you see the number of yeah. players that were on uh, down on the field? Uh, uh, I think that was the day before yesterday. I just was amazed how many guys were hurt. I mean, it just seemed like they were carrying them off left and right. I, and then I, I'm sitting there, I, I mentioned, I said, there's the reason why guys like Ken Walker of, um, of Michigan State opt out because yeah, they're going to get hurt. Were there yeah. any opt-outs in the uh, two semis yesterday? Uh, no, no, and I think that's the difference too, right? It's like okay. those games are the, – uh, there weren't. And I, the, we've not seen that yet. To be honest, there are people that wonder. I, there are people that wonder if that's a red line that may eventually be crossed, and I understand that, and I do, mm-hmm. and I do, and I, and and one of the things about that is we'll see what happens when there's a playoff, right? We'll see yeah. what happens when there's when there's 12 teams. Like if we see opt outs, then we have not seen that in the semifinal games, and you know, and I and I and I get it, right? Because I and I think that speaks to the importance of the playoff, and exactly. I think also shows that these. Like I feel like that's a reason to give the players the benefit of the doubt, right? Like it's not like they're opting out in the biggest game of the year because I'm only worried about my draft stock. Like they are seeing these bowl games, I would argue, pretty accurately for what they are, which are just kind of fun money maker things in a way. If if there's and and if you to put your body on the line, there's a difference between putting your body on the line for like Michigan State trying to win the Big Ten championship or playing a big or, or having the last home game of the year. And putting their body on the line for a, a right. relatively meaningless bowl game. So I think that I think that's the idea. But no, we've not seen that in the championship game. To be honest, someday we might, and I think it's going to be a big, big deal when it happens. But for now, so far, we've not actually seen that. Okay. Okay. Well, I will. I will say one of the things I enjoyed yesterday is seeing Michigan fans being distraught in the stands. I mean, I'm a big. <laughs> I can't. I love seeing the the faces on the Michigan fans last night. It was. Wonderful. I always say I'm going to root for other Big Ten teams when, I, when they get in a bowl game or a tournament, and then it happens, and I never do. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Gary, Thank you. for the call. Uh, I've, I've got a good one. of my best friends is from uh, Ann Arbor, and, of course, I was born and raised in Ohio. And I sent him a text yesterday. He said, I'll deny saying this. But go blue. <laughs> you ever bring it up? I, I'll, I'll I, deny I ever said it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to tell Will the same thing. I was kind of pulling for Michigan just because it's Big Ten, and I just hate to see the SEC schools win every every time, you know. And and boy, it's they're really a, they're really dominant. I mean, those games were yeah. just lopsided. Yeah, and, and it was definitive. And listen, Alabama is – I felt like you could see a blowout coming in Alabama-Cincinnati. No offense, Cincinnati, that's a tough team. They're doing something right. But, like, Alabama is exactly the wrong sort of team to catch for someone like Cincinnati to catch. I did think Michigan would keep it closer. I thought Georgia would win, but I did think they'd keep it closer. But it's also worth noting, we, you know, in any other context, we would also consider motivation, right? Like, this has been a huge, massive breakthrough for Michigan to finally get past Ohio State to make it to the playoff. Obviously, they wanted to win. They wanted to win the championship. But, like, to get here was a huge, huge thing for them. Georgia was so dissatisfied with just getting here. I don't know if you saw at the end of the game, Kirby Smart was, Coach Kirby Smart was yelling at his players to not pour the Gatorade on him. <laughs> he said, do not do that. That's not what we did. This game is just a semifinal game. We have accomplished nothing. Like, Georgia just got humiliated by Alabama. They know Alabama is the hump they have to get over. They were focused in a way that was – 
I think was a, was a result of what happened to them in the SEC championship game against Alabama. So I also think motivation has to be uh, uh, taught into consideration here. Georgia, Georgia, I think is better than Michigan. I don't think they're that much better than Michigan, but they were. That was the best possible version of Georgia last night. I don't know if uh, I'm not sure a lot of teams, frankly Alabama included, would have beaten them last night the way they played. Will Leach has a lot of irons in the fire. One uh, one of those irons is his work for MLB.com. We've turned the calendar. Uh, what are your sources telling you? Uh, what's going to happen with baseball? How, what's it look like to you? Well, you know, I, I, the, one great thing about being 2022, the two sides are finally going to meet now. <laughs> that feels like a start. That feels like a start. They've actually met on some rules sort of thing they've met on like some some they, they, they've met on non-economic issues which is to say the easy stuff uh but they really have not kind of really dug in i think that's something that everybody was all kind of waiting to get through to the, get through the new year getting prepared with that and then they'll start really digging in on that so uh, i'm uh, you expect them to meet uh probably in the next week or couple of weeks that's then the, the target date is still if the goal i think is probably for them to get a deal or at least get close to a deal I, if it gets past Groundhog Day, that's when maybe I'd start getting a little bit worried. But that's an advantage, I would argue. Uh, you know, people talk about leverage. Like one of the reasons that the owners locked the players out was to have like a little bit of leverage about putting a deadline on this. Well, it also puts a deadline on the owner's side, which is to say, one of the big money makers for owners in the last ten years has become spring training. In the past, spring training, you know, used to be this kind of late thing where they would all be on old backfields and just kind of relaxing. It's become big bunny business now. Like if you if you've gone to spring training in Florida, Arizona, it's a corporate. They, like owners make a lot of money off that now, and players do not. It's the common, the common misunderstood thing. Players do not get their salaries during spring training. They are paid for during seasons only. Like obviously, it's a full season salary over those games, but. Owners consider that free money, and they don't want to lose it. So I think that uh, I think that beginning of February, I would hope they'd be getting a little closer by then. If they are really, really far away by say the middle of the month, then it's maybe time to be concerned. But uh, we still got a little bit of time. And hey, they're actually going to meet now. And uh, again, good, good for you guys. You guys can actually sit down and discuss the things which we've been waiting for you to do for a month now. Well, where, where do you think they are in the National League DH? What are, where are they? Are the man on second base in the 10th inning and relief pitching? Uh, I think that you will uh, – I think all three of those things will be changed, to be honest. I think uh, – honestly, those aren't really uh, – one of the weirdest things about this is those feel like me much more pressing issues than the economic issues in baseball, but that's not the, what they're focusing on. Oh, but I wrong. do think the DH, the DH is – I, the DH is is is, gonna, is coming to the National League. I find, I find it pretty difficult. It's just hard to imagine the situation. It's in, the, it's in the benefit of both the players and the owners to make that happen. Uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has said already that he did he does not he does does not think you should expect to see the doubleheader rule or the uh, or the man on second base rule. Now, there's been some talk of a compromise of maybe the man on second base in the 12th inning or the 11th okay. inning or the 13th inning. There's been some talk about that, and I think that could potentially stick, but that 10th inning, that you, won't, you won't see that again. I think that that'll be gone. And I also think that they'll get rid of the uh, three-batter minimum. I think uh, I don't think ma- managers don't like it, players don't like it, and more to the point, it has not appreciably sped up games in any really. shape or form. So, so yeah, so I think that uh, I would expect to see those things change. Not because, now again, you know, because there's a negotiation, even though both sides would like to change all of those rules, 
each of them will act as if it is a massive sacrifice for them to do so at the negotiating table. So that, that's worth keeping in mind. There's a lot of posturing going on. But I think stuff like that where both sides essentially agree on, I, I, I think that, that, that they're, they're gonna be, they're, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be hard to get settled. Those are slam dunks for both and, and you don't think there'll be the seven-inning games in, in the doubleheaders? No, to be honest, I don't think there's going to be very many doubleheaders anymore. That, that, that was a very covid uh, a very COVID idea anyway. Like the only reason they really agreed to that rule in the first place was frankly, they weren't getting attendance revenue. So therefore uh, charge, you sound like you, like the reason double headers have gone away are not because they don't like double headers. It's because you don't, they want to charge two different admissions and charge two different uh, television contracts for it. So they, they put that rule together because out of expediency, right? They had to get remember that Cardinals, uh, 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 when the Cardinals had that big COVID breakout, they had to play like what fourteen games in the, uh, nine days or something. Like so, I think they had to do that. I think hope again we'll see. There's still Omicron, but with the, I think certainly the hope and the expectation is by the time the baseball season started, we'll be in an even better place uh, with COVID. That they will not have to have as many cancellations. Everybody will have had it by then. <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm not. It's, the way it's looking right now, it kind of looks like everybody's going to have it by. By, by MLK Day or, uh, or maybe by the Super Bowl. So, uh, so, so but, uh, but yeah, I do certainly think that uh, the expectation for baseball, and even if you look at the way the other sports, we can argue one way or the other uh, how the other sports are handling it, but you know, when the CDC changed their quarantine rule, no one in the, from 10 days to 5 days, no one in the world was happier than people in sports. Like that was that like honestly that's why Illinois is going to be able to play Minnesota, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why a lot of these bowl games are going to be able to go on. You know, I think having that rule um, really made it a lot easier for sports to go on. And I think by the time baseball comes around, I think the hope is that they really won't be sweating it at all. You mentioned earlier that uh, your second book is coming out uh, this year in uh, four months. I believe you said uh, you want to give us a little tease on that. Well, the, 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 actually, it's a paperback of how lucky the last book will be out in May. But the next book, which comes out in May 23, is due in May. <laughs> so okay. That to them. So it's two-thirds done. It is called uh, uh, The Time Has Come is the name of the book. That's, a, that's an official WDWS uh, New, Year's Eve, New Year's Day exclusive. <laughs> I'm leaking that to you guys. And uh, it's, it's called the, 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 the Time Has Come, and it will be out in May 23. But the paperback of How Lucky, the not my novel, endorsed by Stephen King. Maybe you heard of him. Uh, he'll be, <laughs> he'll be, uh, uh, that'll, be out, that'll be out in May. And of course, uh, How Lucky is available in stores now. The uh, time has come. Does it, it, is it a sequel or is it a totally self-standing book? It's a self-standing book, but there are, are a couple minor characters in How Lucky that are larger characters. In that. It still takes place in the same universe. Uh, How Lucky took place in the fall of 2019. This book takes place in the summer of 2021, which, if you remember, was a very optimistic time. <laughs> Everything that We all thought, like, hey, we're through this. It's going to be great. It didn't really turn out that way. But, mistakenly uh, optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? The, the, the word, uh, Lauren, you know as well as I do, as you get older, uh, every, I, I find more and more that uh, the, the phrase mistakenly, the words mistakenly and optimistic are connected way more often than I would like them to be. So maybe that's just uh, one of those things that turns out. Well, we're going to see you uh, Thursday then, huh? I'll be there. I'll be, I won't be in the press box. I'll be in the stands. I'm, I'm excited to be Well, to come be, on. I didn't know it was gonna, it's going to be the IO game, right? So I'm very, very excited. Should be come, come down and see us. We'll I'll be, come bug you if you'll let me. All right. Hey, Will, thanks a lot, as always. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Always thank you for uh, taking time for us. My pleasure. Be safe, guys. Happy New Year.
Will Leach with us at 1028. We'll take a break and be back with more. We've got an open line the rest of the way, the final 30 minutes. If you'd like to jump in and uh, something might be on your mind on this uh, New Year's Day, give us a call. We're back after this. It is 1032, and this is Illini Public Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. Stephen Kelly with you, and we're here until 11 o'clock with the phone line open, 217-356-9397, if you'd like to join us. If you're out a little bit too late and you uh, didn't see the ball games last night, Alabama beat uh, Cincinnati 27-6 yesterday afternoon, and then Georgia in a very similar game all over Michigan, 34-11. There's some other bowl games, Lauren, on the uh, schedule today, and I like this day because they've got two or three games going at the same time. You can be flipping back and forth. And they look like they ought to be pretty good games. Yep. Penn State plays Arkansas in the Outback Bowl at 11. And listen to this. Penn State may have to burn the uh, eligibility of two freshman linebackers who have played four games, and they weren't intending to play in the bowl game, but they've had so many guys out. Penn State's got a bunch of guys out. So I don't know whether they're going to beat Arkansas today or not. Cause they're, but sometimes it doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes I mean Ohio State's got four great players opting out of their bowl game, of the Rose Bowl. Steve, when, when did anybody ever opt out for the Rose Bowl? Wasn't that the, the granddaddy of them all? Well, and those two teams, uh, Ohio State and Utah, are going into this game in, in an opposite mindset, potentially. Yeah. Ohio State was disappointed and yep. lost their rivalry game. Right. Utah is ecstatic about uh, mm-hmm. uh, getting the opportunity to really play in point. the Rose Bowl for uh, the and, first and time four, ever. And four all-star players are yeah. opting out for Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State favored in that game. But uh, also before that one, uh, Iowa plays Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl game mm-hmm. at noon. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oklahoma State and Notre Dame play in the Fiesta also at noon. Ohio State and Utah in the Rose Bowl at four. And then Baylor and Mississippi in the Sugar Tonight at 7.45. Big Ten was doing good in just till the last couple of days. Well, yeah. They had <laughs> of course, the you knew that was coming. They had Rutgers, Rutgers had to play. Coming, and they had the Michigan game coming. But those are the only two losses so far. Yeah, Minnesota beat West Virginia. Maryland over Virginia Tech. We talked about the Purdue-Tennessee game in overtime. I was traveling back from uh, Michigan and got home in time to see most of that game. What an entertaining game that was. So those two teams went back and forth. And uh, it felt to me a little bit like... The, the Penn State game, exactly, except much more scoring and no, uh, that ended up being one overtime. But uh, I felt like we were going back and forth in, in that nine overtime game in regulation. Well, maybe I'm over, uh, maybe I've gone too far with Brom, but I just, that guy, he they run plays that nobody else runs, Steve. That Purdue does things that, I mean, they scored 48 points in that game. That's not, and they're not a great football team. I mean, what they win this year? Nine games, I yeah. think. I mean, mm-hmm. how'd they do it? They just they got by some really tough games. They oh. beat Michigan State. I mean, the t- uh, coaching in that game was sensational. I mean, they they won some good games. Beat well, Illinois. We mentioned this earlier. The SEC outside of Alabama and Georgia not doing too well in bowl games. Well, they started zero and four. They go on were they zero five? They, I think they were one and five or one and five at okay. some point. Uh, but uh, the question is, I wonder if Illinois played in the SEC last year outside of, I mean, you, you probably have to play Georgia or Alabama or one of the two at least. How many games would Illinois won with that team last year in the SEC? There were some, some winnable games there for sure. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's not going to happen. But Probably about like the, the Big Ten West, though, isn't it? Probably. 
You know, I mean, Wisconsin's pretty good. Iowa's pretty good. Minnesota was very good in their bowl game. They beat uh, West Virginia. What was that? Eighteen to six. Wisconsin, they just rumble. I mean, they're not great, but they they run the ball. Do you did you see that that Braylon Allen ran for one hundred and fifty nine yards, and he's how old? Seventeen. Holy man! He didn't opt out, did he? <laughs> and you know we play them real. That's our first Big Ten game next year. We got them early. Yep. Wisconsin. I imagine Braylon Allen will be back at the age of eighteen next year, and I, I hate to see that. Imagine, you know, imagine that, Steve. Seventeen years old, and he had ran for one hundred and fifty nine yards. Well, they got a knack for finding those guys, don't they? Oh man, the, the and I guess backs. he's strong as a bull. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor doing very well now for the Indianapolis mm. Colts out of uh, Wisconsin. Um, some other football notes. Uh, Jake Hansen and Vidarian Lowe invited to the NFL Combine. There'll be some other guys, I guess, I would think, that uh, will get that. They're in all-star bowl games, too. Yeah, yep. they are. And Deuce Span has uh, transferred to Florida State, or will transfer to I wonder to if State. they intend to play him at quarterback or receiver or, or just uh, take him as an athlete and let him find his right position. He is an athlete, but uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, they probably know more about him. They probably if somebody had recruited him before and knew about him. I didn't expect when when he went into the portal. I didn't expect a Florida State like mm-hmm. team. I thought maybe somebody in Texas or somewhere like that. Yeah. But uh, uh, interesting to uh, to see him go to uh, Florida State. Illinois basketball coming up uh, Tuesday. So we think, we don't know, but I'm guessing they're practicing today sometime. I would think that's right, and it's the biggest secret. <laughs> we, won't, we won't find out while we're on the air here in the next 22 minutes. I, I might find out later today, but uh, it's, uh, they're just keeping everything under wraps. I talked to Burson yesterday, uh, exchanged, actually I, I didn't talk to him, I exchanged tweets, but uh, you could... Uh, you could tell that uh, he wasn't going to tell me anything. Lauren, tell, tell Ed and I the, the difference between a tweet and a text. I texted. I did not tweet. <laughs> I just want to make sure you knew. No, well, I know the difference. <laughs> it's 2022. Also, we want you to I, be on top. I don't. Just I make so many mistakes, Steve. <laughs> I don't immediately correct them. <laughs> That's let, not right. Unless some of them just slide by. We know better than that. <laughs> you got a column coming tomorrow. What? To, give us a little preview of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a secret. I already got the paper coming. They got my I'm money. I'm too already. embarrassed by what I wrote already. I, I have I got to go home and read Is it. Is it on college football? Yeah, it's mostly football, but it's, okay. <laughs> I was going to say uh, you usually run that by I, me, and I, I haven't I seen it. Tell, I did tell a story that that I find I think is interesting, and uh, doesn't have anything to do with Illinois or the Big Ten, but uh, Texas Tech beat Mississippi State in a in a bowl game. Okay, Texas Tech fired its coach, gave him seven million dollars to leave back in October or November. I get October, I think, and so. They hired a, the they 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 promoted the Sonny Crumbie, the uh, assistant, uh, the offensive coordinator, and they named him the head coach for the rest of the game. In the meantime, he gets the head job at Louisiana Tech. He he and he accepts the job, but continues to coach Texas Tech. Except that he spent the first two weeks of December in Louisiana, and then he moved back to Texas Tech to coach the bowl game. And they won. 
So, so the head coach was watching while the assistant coach, who is now the head coach at Louisiana Tech, <laughs> won the football game. And guess who they beat? They beat Mike Leach, who is owed millions by Texas Tech. <laughs> <laughs> You can't, you can't, I can't make, make this up. You can't make it up. <laughs> Georgia had a similar situation. Their defensive coordinator is leaving to take the job at uh, at Oregon. Yeah. So he's coaching. He's working daytime recruiting for, for Oregon. Oregon and coaching the team. Coaching the team in, in the playoffs. And guess who Georgia opens with next year? Not Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're going to be very but familiar. You know, when, the, when the guy calls, well, these players shouldn't opt out. Well, okay, but the coaches shouldn't opt out either, right? And and they're going to have to because there's too much money involved. Well, that that goes back. That ties in with, uh, you know, you couldn't transfer and all that without sitting out. Well, the coaches could leave any time they wanted to, yeah. change jobs, and did. I remember when one of the Wisconsin players wanted wanted to wanted to transfer, and and uh, they they Wisconsin didn't let him. They they weren't going to let him move. I mean, they, ha- I, they had the ability at that time to prevent it. I guess. Yeah, I guess maybe they they had the the ability to say, okay, you, but you can't go to yeah school right. X. Yeah, they're right. I don't know if you could prevent them from going everywhere, but you can't prevent them from leaving. But right. you could prevent them from going certain places. Right. It is uh, ten thirty eight. If you've been uh, thinking in twenty twenty two about uh, that, might be the year for new windows or doors. In your home, well, the folks at uh, the Pella Window Showroom on North Country Fair Drive would like to help you find the perfect window or door for your place. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, visit the showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. You can see the products in person there. You'll discover the beauty of the wood windows, the ease of the uh, the between-the-glass blinds, and, of course, the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated number one by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can help improve the value of your home. And they know all about what type of windows or door products uh, works best in each unique situation. It's an easy process to work with them. They'll be there for you from uh, the start to the finish, from the shopping to the installation and beyond. So again, visit the showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive to get started. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Or you could call them to make an appointment on a Saturday if you want, 356-6474. Or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. 1043, a break here. Back with more open line until 11 if you'd like to join us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 1045 is the time. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, first one of the new year. Steve, you just told me something I didn't know. Eight straight threes by Central Florida against Michigan? Hey, say that beginning of that sentence again. Eight straight? No, the, the, the sentence out of the break. You told me something <laughs> I <laughs> You tell me things all the time I don't well, know. I just like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Which can, I mean, what do you do if you're Michigan? How do you stop that? How do you stop te- teams from shooting threes? Well, you don't, and uh, Illinois is a good example of that, uh, the way they've played lately. But, yes, they came out. They had the lead at halftime, so they weren't playing terribly uh, throughout the game. This was at Central Florida. But they came out and made eight straight three-pointers, made 11 on the game, but eight consecutive, and uh, that turned it into a rout. Well, this came up because uh, um, Minnesota beat, also beat Michigan. Yeah. And this is the team that Illinois has got to get ready for Tuesday, and 
they're somehow a lot better than we expect them to be, aren't they? I mean, there's no question. I don't know enough about them yet. I'm going to try to study up on them. But uh, that Tuesday game is a tough one, particularly on their court. It is. And, um, you know, they've been kind of waiting in the wings for this game. I'm checking out uh, some more information about them. I'll get that for you. We had a couple of texts when we had uh, – Jeff Rabjohns on that, uh, and we can answer these questions too, but uh, so to leave it to a, a Hoosier, well, he's not really a Hoosier. He just works in Indiana. But uh, to make me mad the first day of the year when he was talking about Illinois and where they fit in the Big Ten basketball race, he said Illinois has their best three-point shooting team ever. So he, he ad- admitted that he was probably not making Illinois fans happy with that statement there. Well, the fact is we lost 74 to 51 to Cincinnati. That was the score. Right. <laughs> that game counts. And we also lost to Marquette without Kofi. Yep. And uh, of course, I mean, I don't know why anybody would be upset about the Arizona game. I mean, Illinois played as good as they could. Right. I thought. I mean, they hit threes and the problem with hitting a lot of threes and I said this over and over again and when you hit a lot of threes early in the game is you you can't finish that way necessarily it's hard to finish that way if you've been hot early with threes it, to 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 close out a close game it, it it seems to be you get a little tight toward the end of a close game and you need to play inside more and Illinois defense just simply collapsed against Arizona they they drove on Illinois time after time for mm-hmm. easy shots and if that's the case, you're not going to win. We had another text uh, that we just now got, but uh, it was uh, in the queue there, so to speak, when uh, Jeff Rab Johns was on. He wanted to know how uh, we thought the Big Ten commissioner is doing in regards to COVID. I don't know how, how anybody would do a great job in, in a situation like that. Well, but. I don't think that it's necessarily him doing it. I mean, right. when they have to when they have to come up with decisions— First of all, they go with what the health people tell them, number one. Number two, the presidents vote on these things, or the athletic directors uh, get together, as they did when they set, they set the forfeiture rule. That wasn't the commissioner making that decision. That was the, that the athletic directors voting to change the, the rule on forfeitures. And you're not going to have any forfeitures now, I don't think. There's one possibility if, you know, if, if you refuse to play when you— have enough players, it's possible you could forfeit. But who's going to do that? Nobody's going to refuse to play if you got enough players. you got right. to have seven or eight players, seven players you got to have in the Big Ten. And now for the first time in 2022, we welcome in Marty from Pinehurst. Morning, Marty. Morning, morning Steve. Morning, Lauren. Hey, Steve, I'm real proud of you getting that baseball question in with Will Leach. I'm glad you're thinking a little baseball, even when nothing's going on. Well, you got to got to um, be always thinking baseball, and this, and when you have right. Will Leach, you got to get a baseball question in there at some point. And Lauren, right as always, you, you can live and die by three pointers, but late in games, you need a guy who can drive the ball, make the mid range, or draw a foul. Anyway, um, I've got a question, Lauren, for you. It's going back a ways and a little off the subject. I was listening to you the other day when you were talking about the Monticello-Tuscola basketball game. Yeah. And uh, when I was living in Jacksonville, I think it was even Charlie Blatty introduced me to a guy named John Ware. Um, he and his brothers ran a, a company called Wareco that had filling stations, like 150 of them in Illinois and Iowa. Yeah, I know. And I found that, 
yeah, I found out later from my dad. My dad had played ball against him. Said he was a really good athlete. Said his brothers were tough football players. And I was wondering if either Dick or Bill or John had had, had you crossed paths with him when you were at Monticello, because John said not not since I played against him, no. But I know he was very successful business wise, and and he was a tremendous uh, basketball player. I remember him. Uh, he's over six feet tall, and he was a. Uh, he was the number two player on that team behind Corky Waters, and they they had uh-huh. a good one-two punch, and they were they were really good, and they beat us by one point in Monticello to win the Oco Valley when I was a senior. Ah, we beat them over Tuscola, and they beat us at home. Holy cow! Well, good. I I he I talked to John, got to know him when I was in business over there, and uh, he said they had some really good battles with Monticello. Uh, oh man, yeah, they, they were the main rival. Okay, well, that's kind of he kind of led that Monticello was their main rival, so that, that meshes up. Um, did uh, another question? Harry Combs, the coach at Monticello, when he left there, when did Tom Young come into Monticello as the head coach? I can't tell you the Ball year. Ball. I was trying to think about that. You know, I I moved into a home right next to Tom at one time. I didn't live there very long, but I I, I don't know the years for Tom Young. I I have to guess at it, and I don't want to do it. Okay. Well, I just, I just more. I was thinking. He was really successful for about twenty years, wasn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And they had a system. I mean, White Heath and Cisco ran the same system, and those kids, you know, they had three junior highs feeding into that high school, and they were pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty good. All right. Well, you guys make it a great new year. Good show off to a good start, and uh, let's let's hope Tuesday night uh, we have a semblance of the same team that left the floor down in St. Louis. Okay, Marty, thanks. Always good to talk to you. Happy New Year. All right. Bye-bye. 10.52, a few more minutes to get in. If you'd like to do that, 217-356-9397. He said the thing that's the key. Can they come out, Can they go on the court at, at Minnesota and play the way they did when they were coming off the court in St. Louis? And a lot has happened since then, Steve. A great deal. They've been on vacation. They've had the, the virus go through the team. Now they've got... Uh, Maybe a couple practices here uh, before Tuesday's game, and they got to travel up there Monday, and it's just—it's going to be a real challenge. I don't know what to expect. That's why they play the games, Lauren. You could quote <laughs> me on that. Okay. At, at some point uh, this year. Um, speaking of games, did you happen to catch the end of the Bulls game yesterday? I saw the last play. Yeah. yeah. I was flipping back and forth. I watched maybe most of the fourth quarter just to see, uh, obviously, to see how they're doing because they're playing very well. And to see how Iowa was figuring into things, and he Boy, was in he, the game at the end of the game. He looks like he really fits with the team. When I watch him play defense, when I watch him, he's he's engaged. He's he's solid. They can get away with him. The biggest play he made was right before DeRozan hit the uh, game winner. You mean to talk him out of? He, a, he kept him out of getting a second technical foul. Uh-huh. There's a rookie yeah. grabbing a, an all star. Yeah, and saying. Cool down. We've got this. And uh, I think that just kind of shows you what I, what Iowa brings to a team and what we've seen the last three years. It's a really hard shot to, to win the game. One down and he hit a three and he went by two. Yep. I get, Did you see where the, when the, the ball was halfway to the, to the goal when the, when the light came on? Yeah. It was an all or nothing thing. He had no, uh, no intention <laughs> of making a pass there. but uh, And then I think he got caught uh, when he did look at the clock he didn't he realized he, he realized that he that shot was, it off on one leg he did but uh, that was a good uh, win for the bulls as they continue to roll and earlier in the week malcolm hill 
playing against Iowa a couple of times, and Hill had a 13-point game for Isn't the Hawks. Isn't that a shame he the got Hawks. the virus? Yeah. Doggone it. He gets a 10-day call-up, and, you you know, maybe he'd stick. He, he was playing pretty good. He had, what, 13 points in the game, was yep. it? And doggone if he didn't get the virus. So now he, you know, he'll when he comes back, is there a slot for him? Right, because he was there because somebody else had yeah, the virus. That's right. Yeah, that's too bad. But I think he certainly showed enough in that that little bit of time that he would be uh, certainly in mind for another kind of similar call up. Yeah, or down or the road. trade, or you know, yeah. maybe with get with another team. Yeah, maybe so. We'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. But it was good to see him. It was nice to see the. Uh, the I.O. Malcolm Hill embrace at the end of the ball game yeah, with the two yeah. Illinois guys there in the NBA, and it uh, it was a good day for Illinois basketball. I think we got another call coming in here. We might have time for one more here uh, as we wind up this uh, New Year's Day show at ten fifty five. Victor is with us. Go ahead, Victor. Hi, uh, I have a recruiting question, both about football and basketball. I've heard. Uh, and I'm sure this is very unsubstantiated, that there's a great likelihood that Corbella will be hitting the transfer portal. And I'm wondering if there's anything to that. And secondly, in football, I've been hearing that uh, there is a lot of activity with junior college players, that there might be many junior college players matriculating to the campus. And I was wondering if that has any validity. Okay, we'll attack those. Victor, I appreciate you, you listening out in Arizona. Lauren, you got any thoughts on either one of those? Well, I, I have no idea that Corbello would be. You could say that about anybody. Yeah, I, but, uh, I don't think that. I mean, I think that he, this is just something beyond anybody's ability to control. I mean, he's got a neurological problem, obviously, and until that is resolved, he's not going to be able to play. I don't know why he would want to go. I, I shouldn't say this. Everybody can transfer, but right. I, I haven't heard that at all. And that's the first time. And um, so I, I, I think that I, I wouldn't put any stock in that. And as far as junior college football guys, I think they're always looking at, at some of those guys, guys especially if, for lineman type and uh, guys that have played at a higher than high school level and the transfer portal as well. Yeah, they took, they've already got one guy, Adams, so yeah. is, is in here as a, as a – as a lineman, and uh, I'm sure that they're scouring the junior college ranks and will be dealing, as I saw with one particular player, uh, dealing with the academic side of it. Mm -hmm. you got to get them in, Steve. you got to get them in school, and that's always a problem with the junior college transfers at Illinois. It's been a really serious problem for a lot of years. I still remember dealing with Alex Golish when he was here. He's now with with Tennessee, you know. Right, yep. And he, he, he listed the number of guys they couldn't talk to, and it was, it was a long list. You take one final break. Victor, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We're back with some final words Thank after you. this. Okay, Lord, some bowl games today. Tell me quickly, who do you have? Notre Penn- Dame. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me give you the Ohio game. State. <laughs> okay, Penn State, Arkansas. Well, I, you know, that's. I don't a- want to report. I want to know who you have. <laughs> Uh, the clock is ticking. I have Penn State. Okay. <laughs> even though they've lost some key players. Okay. Iowa, Kentucky. Oh, I got Iowa. Okay. Notre Dame, you already said that, over Oklahoma State. That'll be a toughie. It will. You see who, no, I mean, we don't have time, but Notre Dame is hiring James Laurinaitis, former Ohio State linebacker in Big Ten Network. 
commentator. He's going to be on their staff. Okay. Uh, Ohio State, Utah, the Rose Bowl. Well, I got Ohio State. Yep. And Baylor, Mississippi. There's one you don't have a favorite in. Just pick one. I pick Baylor. Okay. I don't, I don't like the, the SEC this year other than the top two. Right. All right. We appreciate it, Mr. Tate. We're off and running on yet another year behind the microphones on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good weekend.